gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. I am Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And... We are going to talk about something today that um, that we've been kind of thinking about. We, I think, a lot about the discussions um, that are in our Facebook group and the private conversations I've had with women. We're going to talk about weight of expectations, kind of the topic that comes out in different ways um, in kind of how people are struggling and and whatnot, and. I'm actually going to hand it over to Rachel to do our, to do the intro. Oh, thank you for that. Um, You know, for those of you, if, if you have not yet uh, seen the movie Encanto, I do recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It's very enjoyable. The songs will get stuck in your head. Um, But uh, if, if you haven't yet seen it, uh, I promise no spoilers. We're just going to talk a little bit about one of the songs and one of the kind of how it set my mind thinking about, about some things. Um, so in the movie, uh, just if you haven't seen it, the, the family has, um, everyone has a gift in the family and one of the sisters has uh, the gift of being very strong. And you, you find out though, that while everyone looks like they have it together on the outside, everybody's struggling with something. And the strong sister sings a song called surface pressure. And what she says in it, uh, really, really hit me. And, and I'll explain why in a minute. But what she said was, um, it's talking about the pressure. It says, give it to your sister. Your sister's stronger. See if she can hang on a little longer. Who am I if I can't carry it all? And then a little bit, she sings, if I could shake the crushing weight of expectations, would that free some room up for joy or relaxation or simple pleasure? And I spared you me singing it. But um, uh, yeah, so... The crushing weight of expectations. I am the uh, an oldest daughter of an oldest daughter of an oldest daughter, and 
I'm telling you, there is uh, generational uh, expectations. Uh, not that my parents or my grandparents put too much on me, but just there just is, uh, especially with being a firstborn. Um, Colleen, what would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm I'm an oldest daughter of an oldest daughter. It, it stops there because my mm-hmm. grandma was like middle of nine. Um, but there. There is, and I think not only of myself, but even my own children, the, you know, one of my great regrets is the expectations I put on my oldest son as a new mom. Um, And then you kind of learn. And by the time you get to number three, you've calmed down a little bit. But I I think there's kind of a natural sort of expectation that we put on ourselves too. just if you've ever read about birth order. And I was actually talking with my best friend about this because she's also the oldest. And both of us, for instance, as oldest children, feel responsibility for our parents, for caring for our parents. Yes. And, and we, don't, we don't regret that at all. Um, but we've talked about even uh, seeing the difference between the responsibility that we feel as opposed to our younger siblings, even to the point where young, younger siblings, when there's an issue, they'll look to us like, okay, um, older sister needs to figure it out. Cause she's the older sister. She's the one who figures everything out. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, honestly, a lot of it really is the expectations that I carry or I certainly have carried since I was a child were most of it were of my own doing like I I was perfectionist I can't really say was I still am uh I uh uh, always feel like I could be doing more I could be doing better I could be achieving more I haven't done enough um and you know that's that's my life and you know the song and the the movie really it really hit um you know besides the fact that yeah I'm a firstborn of a firstborn of a firstborn um, I come from a family that's very high achieving where everybody has done all sorts of things and advanced degrees and, uh, high flying careers. And, and it's, it's a lot, even though they would never have turned to me and say, why aren't you doing enough? It was, I did it to myself. Like I looked at it and I'm like, oh, I should be doing more because I'm not doing everything that everyone else has done. Um, uh, Yeah. Well, what and I well, I wanted I wanted to kind of continue what you were saying about the expectations that we put on ourselves. And before you even said the word, you know, being a perfectionist, um, I mean, I struggle with that in certain areas. And I think with each oldest child, it comes out in different in different ways. And um, I I kind of had to face that I had almost a little bit of a control problem. Maybe not in the way, not that I'm trying to control other people, but I have to have control over certain things in my life or I get anxious. Um, if, if my house isn't tidy, little things like that, that will kind of, you know, I, like, I feel like I have to have things under control, I guess that's the way to say it. But, um, but I think it's because of that, that I um, put extra pressure on myself, especially I guess for me, the way that comes out is wanting everybody around me to be happy and sometimes going overboard in that direction, um, sometimes at the expense of myself. Yeah. 
where I don't take uh, care of myself sometimes is, is what I'm saying, you know, where I'm taking, right. taking care of everyone else and not doing kind of some basic self-care that we should, you yes. know, we should be paying attention to, or, or we're going to go crazy ourselves. And we should uh, link back to the episode when we talked about self-care because it is important. Um, it's not selfish to, uh, to take care of yourself and your needs. Um, I mean, obviously we are, we're talking about everything within moderation and everything done um, kindly and, you know, with taking care of all of our responsibilities. But if, if we don't get enough sleep, if we don't eat well, if we don't rest, um, we, we won't be able to take care of any of our responsibilities. So. Yeah. When we take care of ourselves, we care better for our families. Right. So, you know, one of the, one of the things that Colleen and I were talking about before we started recording um, is, is dealing with, you know, that sense of perfectionism, that sense of expectations, either cultural expectations. Um, if you've been in the church for a long time or grown up in the church, you may have certain um, religious or uh, church community expectations placed on us, uh, family expectations. Uh, and then, you know, Colleen, you mentioned the effect social media has on that. And I wondered, what would you like to add with that? Um, I run this really large Facebook group for Christian women. And, and I've had conversations with a lot of the ladies that there's kind of, even if we don't think outright about it, I think that social media um, creates a sort of pressure to compete. There's always been that to some degree, you know, if you have a little kid and your, your friend has an 18 month old and you have an 18 month old and your friend says, well, my 18 month old says 36 words. And then you're all thinking, well, what's wrong with my 18 month old? He only says 25, <laughs> you know, there's all, right. all sorts of things, but I see, I see so much of that in social media in Christian circles where um, sometimes I, I want to step in and say, it's not a competition ladies. Um, and so you see some woman over there, that's the amazing couponer. And she's like, I saved $432 at the grocery store this month because of coupons. <laughs> right. And someone else and another lady may be thinking, man, I'm really failing. And, and it could be all sorts of things. You know, you, you go through social media and someone is talking about their child that, you know, I have grown children, their child that just got this amazing job making, you know, $100,000 a year or whatever. And you like, well, my child's not doing that. Or it could be people put um, pictures of their perfectly decorated house or, I mean, really anything. We see it with the mommy wars a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or the vacation trip where everyone looks happy and they're all enjoying the time together. And, you know, no one's, uh, you know, the kids aren't yelling at each other and, and, you know, he touched me. No, he touched me and he won't stay on the right. side of the seat, um, <laughs> which are the best car trips. <laughs> um, and, or, you know, someone, you see pictures and it just looks like their lives are perfect, you know? And right. They look, you know, they have the perfect marriage over there and their kids are yes. just so well-behaved. And Right. 
And I mean, and no, absolutely no judgment on people who post, you know, their, right. their, their good pictures. It's fun to share them. We should all enjoy sharing those. I'm not saying, you know, you have to share only the pile of dirty laundry and, you know, right. your messy hair and whatever else for authenticity. That's fine. You know, share what you want and enjoy you know, the, the good moments. But like others have said, we need to remember that what we see, especially, you know, on Sunday when we see each other, what we see um, on social media, what we see in, in those brief glimpses into each other's lives, we're looking at the highlight reel. We are not looking at the things that didn't make it into the highlight reel. You know, the Yeah. And I would also say one of the things that was really helpful for me, if you're somebody that's kind of struggling with this, and I think, you know, can be very easy to covet. You know, look, you know, I'm living in a tiny little house and I don't have very many nice decorations. And that girl, she's got this beautiful house or, you know, different things like that. But so one of the things or a couple of things that helped me is remembering that, first of all, we're all in different places and that's okay. But also when it came to things like, you know, my friend who, you know, is amazing at couponing. (laughs) or whatever, like, you know what, she's, she's really good at that. I just am not good at that. And that's okay. I, you know, shop the sales best I can, and I do well with our budget, but that's not my thing. And that's okay. Um, But I, I'm really good at this thing over there. And I think sometimes in the, in the comparing, I kind of forget that we're different people with um, different strengths and to kind of appreciate that your friend is instead of feeling like, wow, I'm such a failure that I don't coupon well, um, being thankful that your friend is so good at that. And uh, that's how I kind of learned to look at it a little better. I was thinking it reminds me of something you've pointed out in our discussions before and um, and privately as well. And we're talking about what it says, the duties required of us of the ninth commandment and isn't part of it celebrating other people's uh, the good things in other people's lives? Or is that the tenth about not coveting? Uh, I'm just going to read the if you go to the Westminster Larger Catechism and you go to the tenth command ten commandments section and that's further down in it. It's it's close to the end and a lot of them are really long, but the tenth is not quite as long. And I'm I'm going to read those real quick because I think this uh, that was a good thought, Rachel. It's exact. It really does fit in here. But what are the duties required in the tenth commandment? The duties required in the tenth commandment are such a full contentment with our own condition and such a charitable frame of the whole soul toward our neighbor as that all our inward motions and affections touching him tend unto and further all that is good, which is his. And then um, what are the sins forbidden in the 10th commandment? So we did what are the duties required and now what are the sins forbidden? The sins forbidden in the 10th commandment are discontentment with our own estate, envying and grieving at the good of our neighbor, together with all inordinate motions and affections to do anything that is his. And I I absolutely love the Ten Commandments and Larger Catechism because it just explains those things so well. Um, but there, there is a, cont- a, a contentment, and I, I heard such a good sermon on this um, from my old pastor when he was 
And he talked about when he was talking about coveting, and I maybe mentioned this before because it had such an influence in my life at the time, but but that idea of being thankful for when I'm tempted to covet, being thankful for the blessings that my neighbor has and um and being thankful that, like I was saying, if your friend is good at couponing, be thankful she's good at couponing. That's great that she's good at it. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, you know, if you have, um, and you have a friend who say he's really good at, at baking and cooking and always brings really yummy things to, to, to like the church meals or whatever, and you're bringing uh, store-bought because that's what fit in your schedule this week. That's what works for you. It, every it's all good, right? Like yes. we're, we should be thankful both for um, your thoughtfulness and bringing something to share and for that person's gifts um, in both directions, right? Be, be happy if you're the one who can cook well and someone else brings um, store-bought goods, we should still be thankful they came and that we have things to share. And it's, it's all, it's all good. Like it, it's just together. We have gifts that are useful with each other, but I think that the thing that, and I'm pretty sure I've said this before, but the thing that that struck me um, when my kids were little and I was looking around uh, at church and all the other women in the church and and considering and, and considering them and the things about them, like, oh, I wish that I had X like that person, or I wish that I had my life was more had this Y category like this person. And and I thought, but you know, I bet even though I really like that X thing over here and that Y thing over there, I bet they're struggling with something. And then I started thinking about my friends that I know and the things that I know about their lives. And yeah, they have some great things that I wish I could have uh, or I, I envy or appreciate out of them, uh, depending on whether I'm doing it well or not. Um, but it, each of us has things that we're good at. Each of us has things that um, are would make others envious. But we all have the other side of that, which are the things that are our struggles. And as we get to know each other better, we get to see the whole picture that it's not just the the easy things or the fun things or the, you know, everyone's life isn't just all good. Um, everyone's life isn't all bad. We all have a balance of things that are, are make us special, that make us happy or things that we enjoy or want to share or show others. And then we have the things that, that really are hard for us, uh, that we struggle with, that are difficult. Yeah, let, I'll even give a, a little suggestion. Um, you and I started out talking about the expectations that we have on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you may have a friend that Um, looks like she has it all together in every way. Perfect marriage, perfect kids. Um, Her house is perfectly clean every time you go over and it's perfectly decorated and the meals are amazing and and whatnot. And it's very possible that your friend has put uh, pressures on herself, on, on herself, and maybe to the point that she doesn't even feel like she can say, wait, actually my marriage is struggling. But and, and I mentioned this because I think it's a good thing to, you have a sister like that to go and say, hey, how are you doing? Because maybe, maybe she's struggling with having unrealistic expectations on herself. And to the point that, because I've had a friend like this, that 
is afraid to even talk to people about the things she's struggling with. Yeah, I know for myself, one thing that I saw, um, uh, and like one of those memes or graphs um, several years ago now that was about uh, anxiety attacks. And it, it doesn't always look like we think it does. And sometimes it looks like um, cleaning everything and putting everything into order and uh, being, you know, very um, just not obsessed, but um, overly concerned with the way everything looks because you're, it's the anxiety attack is, is driving what you're doing. And it really struck home because that's one of the things that happens for me is when I get very, very anxious, when I have very um, bad anxiety attacks, I can't stop moving and I have to keep doing things and cleaning is one of the things or putting things away or straightening things up. It's one of the things I end up doing. Um, I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that is what it looks like. Like, yeah, it's not so much my house is, is straight because, you know, I'm just that great at, at keeping my house straight. This is, these are signs that I'm really struggling right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and I just think it's important for us to remember that, that we, we, we see the things in others that we wish we had, and we don't always see the things in others that we're glad we don't struggle with if we don't, or we don't always realize that they're struggling with the same things that we struggle with. Yeah. You know what? Every one of us is living in a fallen world where things are not perfect. Every one of us, even those that look like everything in their life is perfect and they have it all together. Um, you know, we, we're we all struggling in some way. It reminds me of when, uh, when Jesus was talking to uh, the Pharisees and he was talking to the religious leaders of his day and, and then to his disciples and you know, they, they had the same misconception about God's favor that, that we tend to see today in a you know, prosperity gospel, in, in work salvation, but in, in all of our tendencies towards kind of a legalistic slant, that if we do things well, uh, God will bless us. If our life is going well, that means God is blessing what we're doing. Um, so, if you have money, if you have success, if you have fame, if you have um it, whatever, um, then you you are being blessed by God because you have done well. And if you don't have these things, if you if you have illness, if you have uh, you lose your job, if you lose um, your spouse, if you lose your home, if if you struggle, then that's because you have uh, you've not done well and God is is punishing you. And, you know, Jesus tells them flat out that that's not what's going on. That's not the way life is. And, and he tells them, too, that even when someone looks like they have everything together, they may be the one who is the furthest in their heart from God. Um, and I'm not saying then that everyone who, who looks like they have things together isn't following God, just that God doesn't look at us and judge by our appearances. We, we don't just see what's on the outside. But our heart and our relationship with God does not always look like we have everything together and life is great. Yes. As reformed people, we claim that we don't believe in the prosperity gospel, but I do think that we kind of default go towards it. Um, I think a really obvious one that you'll see, uh, I think that we've 
I think most parents have struggled with. If I do everything right, my kids, if I parent in the right way, um, my kids will turn out well and they won't rebel. Or, you know, if I'm just a good wife, my marriage isn't going to have struggles. Or you can, any number of things. Um, I can tell you with health issues that I've had moments of asking God, um, what did I do to deserve this? Um, did, did I do something that, you know, this would happen? And let me, let me actually read from, from John 9, because I think this is, um, as you were kind of referencing, Rachel, because I, I think it's a great, it, it was a passage that's helped me a lot. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. We almost kind of assume it. Um, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. But, you know, I think it's even easy for us to be wrongly judgmental of somebody that, um, I mean, we can have evil thoughts sometimes, but, you know, if somebody doesn't have a good marriage, I wonder what they're doing wrong. Or somebody's kids are rebelling. How oh, I want, I've literally seen people on social media um, imply that if a child rebels, then it's because the parents did something wrong. You know, and then how does that work then when you have one, one person out of a family who actually the whole family is a mess, but one person follows the Lord and comes to faith. And, you know, who did the right to make that child yes. come out well? I you know what I mean? If we're going to come down to that, like what, where, where is that? I mean. Right. And I can guarantee you that if your kids don't rebel and turn out well, it's despite you. It is by God's grace alone. It is not because. I mean, we should be faithful parents and um, raise our children in the Lord. Absolutely, all of that. But we will fail. There, there, there's one perfect parent. Um, yes, and it's he has not one us, son. right? <laughs> um, just I see some weird, weird stuff out there on social media. <laughs> so, and there, oh. I think this can happen both in our judgment towards other people and our expectations of ourselves. Um, it either leads to pride or despair, both. Yes. <laughs> either we're like, we compare and we're like, yeah, doing pretty good compared to, to so-and-so. To them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, or we look at the other way and go, oh, yeah, no, I, I don't compare well to them. And I, I don't have everything together and my life isn't good because, you know, I can't get my, my three kids to sit still and take a nice picture with each other. Um <laughs> Because they they poke and prod at each other, and one of them makes funny faces at the camera. I'm using this honestly from my children. Um, I have one who refuses to take a picture. Oh yeah, so, we. Yeah. I have like I have a few years where there is literally no pictures of my son because he just was in the didn't want to be in the pictures. So it looks like I have three kids in those years. Yeah, it, it just it just is. Yeah. Um, so. One of the things, you know, I wanted to to look at, and, and 
one of the things that really hit me about the movie and watching Encanto and um, I mean, there's a lot there. The joke going around is that, you know, with Disney is like, okay, so everyone's dealing with, you know, family issues and, and no one's going to therapy. So we're just going to make movies about it till everyone like deals with their, their family. <laughs> I've heard family. so many people talking about it. I was telling Rachel before we started, I have not seen the movie yet, but I've heard so many people, you know, using um, these kind of pictures from the movie to talk about different things. And it does. It's very, very thought provoking. And there's a lot that really hit home for me. Um, and but part of it with this song in particular and with the, the weight of expectations and that, that, that question, you know, if, if I could not be buried with expectations and the weight of this, could I have some room for joy and pleasure and relaxation and, you know, kind of that inhale, exhale. Yeah. You know, it would be nice to be able to, to relax. It would be nice to be able to just enjoy and be content for the moment in, in what I have and not in what I don't have or haven't done. Um, and that, that always brings me back to, you know, my, if any of you follow me, see me on, on social media, my favorite Bible passage to share is uh, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. I should have had it open. Uh, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And have we, we done an episode? Have we done an episode? I was trying to think if we'd done an episode on resting in Christ, because I really think I that's think we have. That's where it's at. If we have, I will put it in episode notes. I know we've talked about it multiple right, times in other episodes, but I really think this this right here is is the answer in learning to rest in Christ, um, being content in whatever circumstance we're in. Um, for me, those kind of two go together. It's resting in Christ that um, brings me joy and contentment. I know we've talked about it some um, with some of the books we've reviewed too. I was thinking there's another a number of them having Gretchen on to talk about her book. That's true. Um, and Elizabeth Garn's Freedom to Flourish. I was looking at our notes, but I'm pretty sure we've covered it there too. Besides the episodes that we did on uh, Law and Gospel, those would be all good ones for learning to rest in Christ and looking for our assurance there. Um. And one of the other things um, are at church are uh, this Sunday school uh, session that we just started. Uh, we're starting to look at the Heidelberg Catechism, and I love studying the Heidelberg. Um, and we talk about it here regularly. And I've had with my older boys who've been who've been memorizing uh, some of the questions and answers. One of the ones that really. I think is a great reminder and very fitting to this discussion is question 60, which is how are you righteous before God? And it says only by true faith in Jesus Christ. That is though my conscience accuse me that I have grievously sinned against all the commandments of God and have never kept any of them. And am still prone always to all evil yet God without any merit of mine of mere grace 
grants and imputes to me the perfect salvation, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, as if I had never committed nor had any sin, and had myself accomplished all the obedience which Christ has fulfilled for me, if only I accept such benefit with a believing heart. And I absolutely love that one. I love the the contrast of, you know, us, I'm still prone to always to all evil, yet God. Yeah, and I think this brings up an important point, because we've talked a lot about kind of the expectations, um, kind of the daily, a lot of practical expectations we place on ourselves. Um, but I think that in certain circles, and I know we have uh, listeners that came out of circles that had a certain emphasis in a perfectionism. Um, even in some Calvinist circles, you see it where there's, you know, a true Christian will do all of these things right. And here you are secretly struggling, and maybe people aren't talking about that they're secretly struggling too. And I was in those circles for a little while before I joined um, that my first Reformed church in 1994. And I, I really struggled um, with a assurance of salvation because of it, because I was kind of looking to my, to my works for my assurance. And I'd almost been taught to do that. Unfortunately, I don't know if people say it right out, but there is a weird idea in some circles that you look to your works for your assurance of salvation. And you know, my husband has just always been such an encouragement to me, reminding me of Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I kind of, when you read that Heidelberg, Rachel, it reminded me of, of that passage. Because I, I think there's, there can be almost a spiritual expectations that we can have on ourselves um, also. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's also where comparison, you know, that leads us to either um, pride or despair. We compare ourselves to other people. Well, you know, I, I'm not as bad as Hitler, right? I'm, I've never done anything nearly as bad as, you know, as, as, you know, Ted Bundy, like, you know, people come up with those kind of things or, or, you know, I'm, I'm better than, than the guy next door. You know, I don't, I don't yell at my kids the way he does. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we, we yep. have that kind of comparison and think, oh, no, we're good. And and then, of course, when we compare ourselves uh, to others, we're like, oh, I really don't have things together and I, I can't possibly do everything that they've done. And, you know, and that's what you see that with the disciples when they, when Jesus says, you know, it's hard for a uh, rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. They're, they're like, well, then who's getting in? <laughs> Right. <laughs> if they don't have a chance, we don't have a chance, you know. And and the point is, the only comparison we ever should make is to Christ, and we never, all of us fail that one. Yeah. And yet God, even though we have failed that one, yet God, He gives us, imputes to us, Christ's satisfaction so that we are forgiven and we are given the righteousness, like it says, as if we had ourselves accomplished all the obedience which Christ has. Yeah, there was a discussion recently, um, some friends of mine and I were having a little messenger discussion, because um, there was another instance of somebody saying, um, 
saying that she doesn't talk about the gospel because she's talking to Christians. They already know it, but it's law, 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 law. And I think when we, we talk about law and gospel and how important is it is for us to be reminded of the gospel. I know I'm going to get some gospel every Sunday morning in church, you know, um, I think when we just do law, 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 and don't have that foundation of the gospel and knowing that Christ alone is the ground of our assurance um, for salvation. And just even since you brought up um, Heidelberg, one of the Heidelberg, I, and I, we say it all the time, but Heidelberg 1-1 is a very good one to memorize if if you struggle with assurance, um, just what is my only comfort in life and in death? And it's that I'm not my own, but belong body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, and goes on from there. Um, but I have found in so many things that I struggle with, even on a daily basis, when I'm feeling discour- discouraged, when I'm feeling like a failure, reciting that to myself, it's a reminder to me of the gospel and and that I am Christ. And there's that's where the comfort is. Our only comfort. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I catch myself trying to find comfort in other things so many other things, you know, and when those things fail, you know, it's kind of a reminder. Yeah. And they will, they, you know, a reminder to go back to the gospel, um, to look to Christ. So I, I am going to, I'll go through our episodes um, and maybe put a couple that we've talked about resting in Christ. Um, if you're somebody, I, I do think the law gospel distinction I'll, I'll put at least one of our episodes about that. I think that is extremely helpful um, because our default towards ourselves is a lot of la, 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 not very much grace and gospel, or it can be. Um, and I think kind of having a firm grip on that can be really helpful with those expectations that we have on ourselves. And, and also having a friend that you can talk to um, to say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. A friend that reminds you to look to Christ, to rest in him. Lay down the burdens. Yes. Rest in Christ. Yes, absolutely. I, I always think of the um, fix your eyes on Jesus passage, but when it talks about running the race with all those um, sins, it's so easily entangle us. And I, I think in terms of like, if I'm running a race and I got all these weights tied to me, um, it just tangles, tangles me up and it's not very easy to run. Um, and it probably means I don't have my eyes fixed on Jesus very well. Think of the, the picture in Pilgrim's Progress when Pilgrim, when his burden falls off yes. of him at the cross. Um but yes, I mean that's that's it. You know, we we are weighted down by burdens, and we weigh our own selves down sometimes. Yes, we do a we lot add to them ourselves. <laughs> yeah, 
but there is rest in Christ, and there is joy and peace, and doesn't mean life will always be easy. In fact, he promises us it won't be, um, but he is with us, and we know that his righteousness is ours, and he has promised that he won't lose us, and that those promises are, and God keeps his promises. We are safe and secure in him. Amen. So, um, I, I hope that this was in, encouraging and um, definitely look at some of the things that we mentioned, especially Heidelberg 1-1 and um, also 60 that Rachel mentioned. So, we'll see you in a couple of weeks.